Hey, before we start the show, just wanted to let you know that No Inner Monologue is available on all your favorite podcast providers. Don't forget to check us out on social media at No Inner Pod on Instagram and No Inner Monologue on Facebook. Now, enjoy the show. Previously on No Inner Monologue. Could you imagine that though? That lamb chop would just tail. beat the shit out of everyone else. <laughs> Manny, how do you feel about that and you know your inappropriate love for Sherry Lewis? You do have inappropriate love for Sherry Lewis, doesn't it? Don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> oh, put your pants back on, please. <laughs> no, not for Sherry Lewis. All right, we're gonna move on to the next Sherry story. Lewis, no, no, we no. shut Sherry up. Sherry Lewis, Stop. you're classy. Okay. From the 7-ish studios in Mississauga, Ontario, it's the No Inner Monologue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to No Inner Monologue Wrestling. Today, we have your main event, Joey Mangione. The Fighting Irish. That's upsetting. <laughs> but I am wearing a shirt that says Fighting Irish. And a hat. And a hat. Versus... I don't have a nickname. <laughs> Dwen Nerona. Chocolate Thunder. Ooh, I like that. Or Mocha Thunder. Mocha maybe. Thunder. Unfortunately, due to card... As the card is subject to change, Manuel Lujan... Creepy Uncle Manny. The creepiest of uncles. And his wife slash manager, Tasha Morrison, are unavailable for today's show. But we hope to have... (laughs) But we hope to have a suitable replacement. I hope you enjoy the fact that we're here today. (laughs) We are your replacements. We are your replacements today. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. (laughs) So you're probably wondering, hey... I've been listening to this goddamn thing for 80 episodes, and you already talked about wrestling. We did. Or you're probably going, hey, this is the first time I've heard, I've heard this about thing wrestling. wrestling on this podcast. I, I, I feel like it's the majority doing the latter, which yeah, is fine. Which is fine. So, But if you are interested in hearing our last wrestling episode, you can check it? it out. I believe it was number 21. Wow, that's a while ago. It was a while back. That's a while ago. So it's a long, long time ago. So I think our, our our sort of idea behind this was that we weren't. So it is twenty one. It was twenty one. Okay. Yes. So we weren't terribly <clears throat> happy with the way that episode went. It was because I actually revisited it yes. and re-listened to it, yes. and it was just us, and uh, it was mostly Manny. Mentioning a storyline and then asking <laughs> you to confirm it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, and and we talked about Tash and uh, her childhood trauma involving a yes. Hulk Hogan loss, and she hid under a table. Which I'm starting to think we should probably check if she's still under the table. I think she's back <laughs> under that table. That's yes. the only explanation as to as to her absence. Yes. And um, she's not under this table. No. No, we no. check that much. It's yeah. not under this table. So yeah, the story goes. We with should that call thing. her mom and ask oh, whether or not it was under if she's still under her kitchen table. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Be surprised. <laughs> okay, so Tash, we miss you. Come part, home. <laughs> part of this whole idea with this this week's episode, uh, this month. Yeah, we're doing we're a whole month of a wrestling it. month. So one was we didn't feel like we gave we we sort of gave it justice. We didn't. And I felt like that being the sort of sole wrestling 
you maniac. are you are a wrestling fanatic. A fanatic. On you the team. are a self-proclaimed mark, yes. as they call it. We will it. get into that. And yes, sir. we will. We That's will why I brought it up. That's why but, I brought it up. Um, but also, Barley, SummerSlam is coming to Toronto next week. I know. And the city is becoming re- is going to be wrestling, uh, wrestling crazy for the next couple of weeks. A couple. I, of, well, I would argue that week. our city has always been wrestling crazy. I think we're a wrestling yes. fanatical city. I mean, well, there have been a few big events here in Toronto that have happened over the years. Yeah. Well, a lot of big matches have happened. But what's cool about like uh, what's happening now, and we'll kind of talk about this. So we'll, the way this month is going to go about is we're going to start off with. Uh, sort of an introduction to wrestling, wrestling terms, sort of what, you know, sort of the behind, so we're not really going to go talking crazy like WWF or WWE or WWE. It's much more for the casual or someone who wants to get into wrestling, yeah. I think. Is someone who wants to get into wrestling or someone who wants to understand why people, why people like get so in, yeah, into I get wrestling. it. And I think the other side of it is we're going to talk, so that's today, we're going to kind of talk, uh, since SummerSlam is, is next week and we'll be in the sort of throes of WWE craziness, we're going to talk about wrestling in North America. Um, the week after that, we're going to talk about wrestling in the world. So Japanese wrestling, Lucha Libre wrestling, and sort of what the dif- uh, British wrestling, what the sort of differences are there uh, between those, actually those three major groups. Right. Um, and, you know, and then the last week we're going to talk about independent wrestling, which is something that has blown up in the last, say, 10 years. Independent wrestling has become a massive, massive thing in, in this um, in this. And other continents. Here, not to get into yeah. it, and you being the bigger wrestling fan, obviously, I'm going to ask you what your thought is on this specific thing involving independent wrestling. Yeah. And I know it's a few episodes early, but would you say it's almost like a callback to the old days of wrestlings where you have these other smaller promoters now just traveling around type of thing? Yeah. So, like, like broken up into regions. It's not even broken Sorry to so, get so, into it right away. So, we'll start, <laughs> we'll start sort of from the beginning. Yeah, let's, so like, let's, let's go back. So, I think, you know, Wrestling, the wrestling's got a real um, wrestling sort of date dates back to in at least in North America to before the sort of uh, to just after the Civil War, and they were always part of like the you know well actually it dates back all the way to like Greco Roman wrestling and like, like proper, uh, wrestling, like proper yeah, wrestling the Olympic wrestling yeah anyways. but the wrestling sort of thing that we know now follows it's sort of big on th- after the after um, the Civil War and it was sort of big on like the uh, what they call the carny carny wrestling yeah right? it costs you like two pennies for a show yeah, i mean cost- i don't know <laughs> but they would take they would take like a you know the circus would come into your town there would always be one section where there'd be a strong man and he'd wrestle another strong man and generally what would happen is your main guy your main champ quote-unquote undefeated champion in that era would be what uh would be like a real strong pseudo like a guy with an amateur professional wrestling background. I read something where uh, does it get into where they start challenging like so people this in the crowd? The I heard the term for that is called shoot wrestling. Right. It is called shoot wrestling. And I'm yeah. go- we are going to go through terms as we, uh, as this thing comes I'm, I'm, I'm so. bringing them up as we go <laughs> along. Right? But I, I have a whole section I know. Here. You, you've, you've showed me this, I have a whole section here, this so. magical book. Yes, yeah, so I'm... Uh, part I of love the, the artwork in this book. It's, yeah. like a, it's like a comic book. So I, I, a lot of... Uh, I, I knew I know a lot of stuff, but a great, great, great book is called "The Comic Book Story of Professional Wrestling." I am going to borrow that. <laughs> it's by uh, Audrey Sitterson and Chris Moreno, and this thing has is comprehensive. It's beautifully uh, drawn. The stories are really well done. The research is taken is taken is really well put together, and it's not affiliated to any wrestling company. So one of the things that happens in in with wrestling is that 
company, all the different wrestlers have this sort of carny language that when they talk about wrestling. Right. So they have these different words that everybody speaks about. So um, the term I used, the term you use, which is shooter and shooter, as said in this book or shoot is um, basically something that's legitimate and real, often unplanned and can refer to unscripted uh, events or dialogue or even a real fight. So the idea being that, like, if you're a shoot wrestler, you're an you know how to wrestle. You're an actual wrestler. You don't need to, like, call it in the ring. You don't need to, like, um, you don't you know, you've gone you've learned how to wrestle somebody without having to like go through the theatrics. And now, where I, what stuff. I read is they would do that to sort of keep legitimacy so, to, to, the, to the thing. So this was the thing. So even back then, even back then, there was always a suspicion that wrestling was fake or wrestling was, was predetermined. predetermined. Yes. Fake, fake is not the right well, word to but use. But this is the but thing. So you, th- that was all there. And if somebody in the crowd were to be like, yeah, this is fake, you're just bullshit, blah, blah, blah. The champion, the wrestler, whoever who would have a shoot pedigree to him, who would have like a legitimate wrestling background to him would be like, Oh yeah, you want to try it? Come over here. Let's fight. And then that, and he would basically, um, give him a whoop, give him a whoop and beat him. And then you're like, <laughs> okay, sometimes those situations were also predetermined to fuck around with the audience, to build this idea of, I have you know, to ask, yeah. and I'm sorry to go into storyline, yeah. but our hometown here in Mississauga, Ontario, <laughs> has a gentleman whose persona is known as Santino Morella. Is this correct? Yes. And wasn't kind of like that his yeah, so Santino, intro into the WWE? Yes. Yeah, so Santino Morella uh, is a wrestler who's from Mississauga who was a former Intercontinental Champion with WWE. And we have a, some of a six degrees of separation yes. with him because of somebody we went to school, school with, with way back. But that's another story altogether, and not really important. And through your, uh, through your your lady friend, Marissa used to interview him for... She, well, for no, he TV was, stuff. um, she worked on a show here based in Mississauga that sort of like, uh, without getting into, into yeah. too much, they interviewed like local personalities and stuff like that. And he, he had been on the, the show one. a few times. Yeah. So you so met she, him though. I have met him, but the things I didn't, like me not being a big wrestling guy, I didn't know who it was by his face. Yeah. I knew the name Santino Morella. Yeah. But I didn't know who, you know, who it was by looking at him. So here she is. She tells, she introduces me to him by his like, you know, Real actual man. name. And I'm like, oh, hey man, nice to meet yeah. you. And it just, I don't make the connection until I spoke to you like three days yeah. later. <laughs> truthfully, truthfully, that's, that's the other part of this thing. So, um, WWE was doing a show in Italy, a televised show in Italy, and this gentleman, Santino Marilla, that's his character's name, yeah, uh, would, um, w- was basically doing an Italian, like it's an Italian stereotype. So he was in the crowd. And they, they were I will say he is of Italian descent, yeah. so it's not. But that he's bad. doing the over the top. I know like, he's, he's doing it over the, the top. Yeah, he's doing the. He's over basically the top. doing his grandfather impression. Yeah. <laughs> and he's basically in the crowd, and then he comes out. Now the only thing that had happened was they, they had staged this, and it looked pretty good because he's a tiny guy, and you know he came into the cur- the ring and all that stuff. But when he took his shirt off, he has this massive back tattoo, and everybody was like. He's a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but dude is super funny. Uh, was really like popular with the crowd. Uh, and he's a charismatic guy. He's like, an extremely charismatic the guy. The one conversation I had with him, and we mentioned how he, you know, does the training and stuff. I think it was for something involving, because there's a... So he has a school here. There's a here. school here in Mississauga. Yeah. 
called Battle Arts Academy. Yes. And they train wrestlers, MMA fighters, yeah. all that. And they also and all that type of stuff. And a side of their um, and a one another side of their uh, school um, is a wrestling ring, and they actually do wrestling shows there. Right. Yeah. So it's a wonderful little location. I've gone to many many independent shows there. I've gone to one of the bigger wrestling companies, Impact Wrestling's show there. Mm -hmm. So it's wonderful. And I I know somebody, uh, another six degrees of separation, who's training there. Okay. So there's some good stuff coming out of Mississauga. But but anyways, what we're trying to get is his his whole start, so to speak, was almost like a planted shooter scenario. Yes. So and but in that case, he won. Right. He won the belt. That was yeah. his first match. He won the belt. In that case, they built a star through that like scenario of, oh, you're fake. I can beat so you, blah, blah, blah. wrestling still uses these tropes and calls back to these things to this day. Yeah. Generally, like you will find in wrestling, think, so this is the thing. If you generally don't uh, know anybody who watches wrestling, the easiest way to explain it to them is, oh, it's a male soap opera. There's violence and there's stories and blah, blah, blah. But truly wrestling in its in its sort of purest form is always good guy bad guy and there has to be some sort of morality play or some sort of stake involved so which is why the belts are usually a big deal right, right? yeah but you're watching it you're generally watching it because you're like i believe in hulk hogan this guy this guy you know the the, the i like how you uh, used hulk hogan <laughs> well but this is the thing if you if you watched i will say uh, for, for our age group yeah, specifically I believe hulk, in hulk, is, hogan. hulk is the, the yeah. one guy this guy andre the giant is trying to like you know he ripped his cross off like he's, he was a he's, bad guy he's he, menacing right. he's and, a he's a monster and all that and stuff and he's right? bringing a level of like and he's bringing a level of like um menace to the, the to the whole proceeding right like Hulk Hogan is a big guy. Like in general cases, if Hulk Hogan walks through the street, you're like, oh my God, that guy is a bodybuilder. You know, he's, he's a monster. He's, he's a monster. Yeah, he's, he's six foot four massive. But when he goes up against a guy like the like Andre the Giant, you're like, oh my God, he's one of us fighting against the big guy. Well, yeah, because you know? Andre the Giant was what? Six? Seven. I, I thought he was more than that. He was like, no, no. He was like seven foot, seven foot four, I think. And depending on who you're talking to, because that's the other problem with wrestling, um, he weighed anywhere between, you know, 400 and 700. <laughs> to a metric ton, <laughs> yes, right? pretty much. So this is the thing with wrestling. It was always sort of this carny-based idea. And all the former wrestlers that had come across, they were always like little world champions in France and world champions in, um, you know, world champions in all these different places. But there was always sort of a, a gentleman's agreement between all of them that, uh, they would stay in their local areas. Right? So it was basically based off of region and type of yeah, thing like so that, right? Region. So this thing that you're talking about, which is like back in the old days, you would have these different companies that would stay like, you know, this goes back a little bit further, but WWE was always considered like a Northern territory. So sorry to go back yeah. to uh, Andre. He was, his build height was seven foot four and his build weight was 520 pounds. <laughs> yeah. This is the, so that's what they that's what would say on the card. Yeah. What the card is basically like the advertisement for, yes. you know, or to the give similar you similar to a boxing match. Exactly. Just things. to give you to let you know who's in the fight, who's yeah. doing what, right? So we'll give you we'll we'll kinda go through some of these like wrestling terms real quick here because I think they'll help us through as we go. As we go through the so one our right, little wrestling right series. Right off the back, here. right off the far, right off the right out of right, right out the out gate. gate. We'll go with baby face or face. Which we did mention a little bit in the last yeah, episode. Yeah, so we'll just re- we'll do redo it again yes. because it'll be it'll be brought up a lot. So exactly. So so your baby face or your face is basically um, the hero of the match, the good guy, 
Hulk Hogan was a babyface all through the 80s. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a good guy mostly through the 90s. Um, you know, John Cena I'll say was a this. Good guy. Stone Cold Steve Austin was an interesting face or babyface yeah. in the sense that in other he, was, he was an anti-hero yeah, in, in any so other, many in ways. Other, any in other any hero, other era, like, say, if he wrestled in Hulk Hogan's era... He'd be a bad guy. He'd be a villain. Yes. And that's sort of the... the and this is the other thing with wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling tends to be, be very for the time, right? Yeah. So, in the early 80s, um, when Hulk Hogan became a good guy... When Hulk Hogan won his ma- first... When he won his first big title with WWE, he faced the Iron Sheik. In a time when, like you know, Iranians were seen as bad yeah, guys. the Middle right? East is Middle East not with very, the bad guys. And yeah. Even later on, he did. He faced Sergeant Slaughter, and there was a whole sort of thing. Like you know, they were the bad guys. Uh, wrestling's been very, very like bad guys are. They'll follow whatever's going on currently in that time. You know, a few years ago there was a wrestler named Rusev. He's Bulgarian, but they pulled him as this Russian sympathizer, and he would come out and sing the national anthem of Russia. And he, they gave him a Russian star happy from Rusev thing. Day. Yeah, happy Rusev. <laughs> but they would, you know, they would preach him as like that. And now, you know, the last ten years, twelve years, John Cena has been like the face of the WWE. He is Mister All American, good guy in the military. He's the good guy of every story. Yeah. You know? A good guy. Every good guy needs a good villain. And in this case, your good villain is considered a heel, which is, you know. I mean that that this term is so old that at the time heel was probably just the word used for villain. <laughs> there wasn't even anything outside of that. Yeah. Um, you know, just basically a synonym a synonym for jerk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've talked about shoot wrestling. The opposite of shoot wrestling is called a work. Right. And what so, exactly is a work? So from this book, I'll give it a part. So from the way a carnival performance could work the crowd, a work is anything planned that can be used as a verb for the act of participating in a planned event. So every wrestling match that you probably have seen on TV is a work. Right. It's designed to make the crowd feel something. If the crowd feels, you know, anger or happiness or whatever, they've been worked. I feel like the argument could be made now that, to going back to shoot wrestling, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not prominent anymore. Well, what do you mean? Like, uh, how often do you uh, do you hear of shoot like the the type of like shoot wrestling even happening anymore? Realistically, I mean, really, really shoot UFC is shoot wrestling, right? Oh, UFC is shoot wrestling. Shoot wrestling is a real thing that's happening, right? So, so a work a work is everything you're basically seeing on WWE TV. Oh, well, pretty much all of SummerSlam will probably be a work. Right, right, because you're yeah. being worked into feeling those emotions. It's it's essentially just it's essentially the big the real way of talking about it. It's it's use it's a con, You're right? Carnies can't try to con their audience, carnival workers, carnival. Right, workers, yeah, and right? wrestling has its origins in, in the carnival. In the carnival, so like if you go to the carnival and try and throw the hoop over the bottles. But for whatever you try and you try the first two, you know, you'll see a guy who's there before him and he'll get three and he'll get the, 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 the big, bear, the big bear. And right. Then, and then you go over and you throw it. And for some reason, your hoops aren't going into the thing because your hoops are actually smaller than everybody else's. You've been worked. Right. Yeah. And the whole idea is this is the this is the sort of fascinating thing with wrestling. It's sort of the only designed thing to piss off your audience. It's the only designed piece of entertainment to piss off your audience. Because the more you get annoyed at 
a bad guy. So, so generally what happens is you're uh, in a promotion, you'll either have a good guy champion or a bad guy champion, a face champion or a heel champion. Depending on the organization you're watching, sometimes a heel champion is better because you want your good, you, the audience always wants their good guy to try and catch their bad guy. Yeah. And get the thing. So you're following the story of the good guy trying to overcome all these odds to get the bad guy. So you're basically making it so that your audience is constantly disappointed with the fact that this bad guy is winning. Keeps the best, getting away, keeps getting right? Away. And that's sort of the thing with wrestling. Well, it goes back almost to like the, um, like even in film they did this, right? Or like these, these old serials or whatever where you'd have this one bad guy and this one hero and, mm-hmm. you know, the hero would solve that immediate problem, but the bad guy would always get away. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. The sort of problem with wrestling is, well, not problem, but the sort of the way the deal with wrestling is, is that a, it's usually like right now for television, it's 52 weeks worth of television uh, a year. Right. They're, they're always, they're always on. There's no off season for yeah. wrestlers. They're constantly moving around. So if you're watching something like that, you're just like, oh my God, catch up to this fucking guy and win. It's a bit of an art to do that because you have to do it in a way well, where uh, your hero, your face doesn't look like a schlump losing every time. It's it's funny because the, the fact that you brought it up and like and how you said the easiest way to explain it is um, a soap opera because a soap yeah. opera is similar. Because yeah. a soap opera does not take like a summer break like no. most series do. That those those television shows go on almost fifty two weeks of the year. Exactly right. So like they may take a few week break in between. Yeah, there's probably like March Madness that screws yeah, up the that's, break or whatever. That's, that's I, I feel like March Madness is their only break, and like they're shooting their shooting schedule is insane. Yeah, they have to learn stuff like daily. It's, yeah, it's right? crazy. And that's the thing with wrestling too. Like sometimes because a lot of the the best kind of wrestling is live. You have to work around like injuries. You have to work around like, um, you know, in the old days, you had to work around like wrestlers just not showing up and being like, because at a lot of the times, a lot of wrestlers would not be very professional. <laughs> I, I also wonder are wrestlers still responsible for getting to yes. the venues themselves? Yes. So it's not like there's like a. There's a bus that takes them from. Yeah, place place. No. it's not like they're on a sports team or no, anything. No, no, there's they are a sports team, but they're still taking. It's a whole. That's a whole other mess that we'll get into in one of the other episodes because there is a whole story there. Um, if I gimmick, what would you say a gimmick is? I'd say a gimmick, um, in the simplest explanation of terms, would be um, the wrestler's character, his persona. Yeah, that's exactly so. So yeah, so. Um, the Undertaker is probably the most famous gimmick ever. That guy's not really a mortician. He's or, not, really, or not like really a zombie. He's not really a zombie from, or whatever. From beyond the grave. Yes, exactly. He's he is a you know he's just like a dude. But when he comes into a wrestling room, the whole thing is created to be like, uh, you know. Um, and and you've said before he's very protective of it. Yeah. So that's the thing with gimmicks, right? Some some like back in the day. Because actually, this next term probably works in favor with this. So there's a thing called kayfabe. Yeah. Right. So kayfabe is um, refers to the overall conceit of wrestling. Wrestlers are said uh, overall conceit of wrestling. Wrestlers so are said is- to keep kayfabe in the if uh, keep kayfabe if they refuse to acknowledge wrestling's artifice. So the idea being that like Undertaker for the longest time 
would never do interviews out of it would never do interviews like for newspapers or anything he would never show up to like you know you would you never go to like a meet <laughs> to a Walmart like a, and me- see, like a and media see event and under- meet, meet the undertaker yeah, yeah like you know it just be, it, because it takes you out like the next time you watch wrestling you're like wait the fuck i saw this guy like <laughs> i saw I, I saw this guy doing like a you know doing like a post game show <laughs> but he was like the 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 consummate heel for the longest time too because he right? was fucking scary right? yeah <laughs> the, and and he played that up so well yeah so if anybody doesn't know like the undertaker is the um basically a undead zombie like creature create he's the dead he's man. the dead man and he, he would you know he'd come out of a coffin and he'd have an urn that would control him you know what really uh, sorry to go off yeah. sorry to go off and i might be having a manny moment right now but growing up, you know what really freaked me out about him hmm. is when he would roll his eyes in the and back of his head. And he still does it, And he man. still does it, and I still get chills anytime I'm watching it with and you. And that's, I think... I, honestly, I'm, I've, only, I've only watched wrestling with you now, yeah. and I just... I get so into it because it's almost like I, I regress back to that time when oh, I was yeah. a kid. It's it's amazing in that sense. And right? I think, like, that's the thing. Like, certain, you know, certain traditions in wrestling tend to be very... Like, this whole thing, if a wrestler heard us talking about this, they'd be, we would be the worst. They would hate us because we're just idiots. We don't have any connection to the wrestling business. Well, yeah. And we're just talking about stuff. But I think, like, those terms, like, the thing about gimmicks and keeping gimmicks sort of in kayfabe is how the term goes is there was a guy named the Sandman and he wrestled in ECW. Right. And there was a storyline where like somebody, ECW was this super hardcore uh, wrestling. I, I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, just for anybody who hasn't. Uh, it's, yeah, it's. Extreme the, championship wrestling. Yeah, so they so, would just do all kinds of like yeah. the, the wild stuff. So you they, know? Ha- they had a match once where somebody, like this Sandman in the storyline had his eye, like a fireball thrown into his eye. And ECW was, predominantly a very like Philadelphia based wrestling organization and Sandman to keep that storyline going basically stayed home for 30 days to, because they didn't, he didn't want to be in the street somewhere and somebody so seeing he just him, stayed in the house stayed for three, home and or had he, somebody like bring him his groceries yeah, or stuff. if he had to go somewhere then I guess he wore like sunglasses or a bandage or something but he yeah. basically kept in character so that he didn't because he didn't want somebody coming to the state thing and seeing like oh fuck you you're just like you're fine <laughs> like you know Okay. Right? You're fine. You, you, you think. So then when he showed up eventually 30 days later and like sort of like, you know, healed, it was a big deal to the crowd, right? Uh, in Mexico, wrestlers will be doing a little bit of lucha, lucha libre. But in Mexico, masked wrestlers never take off their masks. It's a big, big deal when they do. Um, El Santo, the saint, who is probably the most famous wrestler in Mexico of all time, that dude took his mask off once on a talk show showed his face, and legitimately died of a heart attack a week later. And he was buried wearing the mask. Like, he just always wore the mask. So some, you know, gimmicks tend to be... I've heard there are some some stories where luchadors actually bathe with the mask on. It, you look, if you go to Google like old, <laughs> old luchador footage, I love it, man. You see these wrestlers in like the masks and a suit and like in their swim trunks or whatever. Like everywhere they went, they wore the mask. It was cool. It was like pure superhero stuff, man. Um, and if you want a good uh, luchador movie, Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre. Well, yes. <laughs> if you want a good, yeah, yeah. it's so much fun. Yeah. I love it. Actually, a wrestler in that movie um, whose name I feel I feel terrible. I forgot, but he just passed away, and, and Jack, Jack Jack Black wrote, wrote a real nice tribute to him on Instagram uh, a couple of months ago. Um, okay, so Mark is the next term, and you've used this term today. I have used yes. this term today. And I am 100% a Mark. Yes. And a Mark is someone who's, who 
A mark was originally someone who could be taken advantage of, similar to how the word is still used in conf- uh, in confidence games these days. Uh, I think that's like a con artist. Or oh, okay, yeah. con. Okay, con. Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, you're probably right. But uh, it tends I've, I think it's the best way to describe it to you. Yeah, it <laughs> tends to be used as a synonym. Synonym. Ugh, I can't add fucking up with this word. Synonym. Synonym. Um, for Cinnamon? for wrestling fans. <laughs> With varying degrees of pejorative undertones. So, wrestling fans are marks. They're the people you want to split their money from. You want their you money. Want, you right? want to take their money. Yes, the whole point of wrestling was to con these people. They want the money. Con people into thinking it was real and taking their money. Yeah. Generally, you would think that's the case of most things. <laughs> but you're not yeah. trying to con them. Uh, so, wrestling has this sort of dirty past of the whole con thing. But... Well, it's because it's brought on by carny folk. <laughs> yes, exactly. But That's where its origins are. One nice are. thing about wrestling is this: determine on how you're talking to people. You can be a mark, and where the people are trying to screw, or shut the fuck up, you stupid mark. Yeah. <laughs> so it's how you pronounce it, how you say it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Chances are the the the, the Scotiabank Arena, as we as we lovingly call it, the Scosh, um, will I be. I feel like that's only you. It's me and Brock and Tash. So <laughs> Three people that have some sort of a connection to the show. Yeah. One that's hiding under a table. Yeah. One that helped us get started. Yeah. And is uh, you know a host on the Rebel Scum podcast. Yeah. And we'll uh, get that going. And I've helped. I told Brock we will make it happen. Good and my good friend we're gonna, ha- gonna make it go. All right, um, you heard it here, guys. It's called Skosh. The Skosh. Anyway, so the Skosh <laughs> will have. Probably around 60,000 marks. Home of the current NBA champions. Home of NBA champions. The, the Toronto, Toronto Raptors. Ma- yeah, I was going to say Maple Leafs. Oh, my God. They haven't won anything That's for like crazy over talk. 50 years, you <laughs> silly goose. Uh, um, the Raptors haven't won anything in over 50 minutes. <laughs> um, but, yes, they would. that place will be filled with 60,000 marks on next Sunday. That's exciting. Or this coming Sunday. How's it going, everyone? Jesus here, aka Tyrant Dominus, the host of the Convoluted Podcast, where I get a chance to talk with people from around the world and from my own backyard about the things they love, careers they have, hobbies they enjoy, projects they're working on, and along the way, they tell us some wacky stories, and we get to play some games. Join us on the Convoluted Podcast, everywhere podcasts can be found. Um... That's exciting. So the next one is something we were doing right at the beginning. It's called a pop. Ooh, yes. I like that. And a pop is an explosive reaction from the crowd, typically implying a positive reception, though not exclusively. <sighs> Think about every time that Stone Cold Steve Austin's glass broke. The screams you hear from the crowd. Oh, my God. That is a pop. And that is a thing every face wrestler is looking for. In recent years, WWE's been very like, you know, as long as we get a reaction, it's good. But no, you want that pop. You want the pop. When your biggest hero... So this is the thing. When your biggest hero and your biggest face can get a pop, like a really like guttural, like, yeah, pop, that's when business is good. You know business is good because everybody is behind, is 100% behind your good guy. And they're buying into it. They're buying into it. And everyone's, you know, everyone's like, you've tapped into something that they can connect with. The last twenty years, wrestling's been has been, uh, yeah. The last twenty years, wrestling's been good. It hasn't been as great as like those years where Hogan and Steve Austin were top, and then for a few years when The Rock was top. Oh, 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 The Rock. 
Did you see Hobbs and Shaw? Oh, I saw Hobbs and Shaw, sir. And? It is magical. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. It's amazing. (laughs) Like, I didn't go in expecting cinematic classic. Ooh, we're we're dropping cinematic classic. I said I did not go in expecting a cinematic classic. And it's by no stretch of the imagination a cinematic classic. But it is one of the most fun movies I have seen in a very long time. It's, it's, would you say, uh, proper in the vein of, and in, and I say this in the good side of him, not the whole, not what he, what he is now, but would you say in the vein of like proper kick-ass classic summer Michael Bay movies? Better. All right, cool. I like that. Better. Michael Bay gets a lot of shit on, but like his movies are built for summer, like summer release. Oh no, it's 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 up there. Like, but here's here's the thing with it. It was, and I heard Mm -hmm. that because so there's there's instances where Jason Statham, Jason Statham, yes, and The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, have uh, you may know of him, yes. Uh, have banter back and forth and it's like you know almost like a making fun of like a diss yeah, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. make fun of each other yeah now the, the whole, rock the beefed up version of you know how you know how i know you're gay yeah exactly <laughs> it's beefed up in so many ways yeah. now the the truth of the matter is the rock is great at improvisation and yeah. his his years in the wwe have shown that yes Jason Statham is not so much that. He is very much an actor who needs, like, you know, he wants the script written down right. for him. He's not a very, he's not a good improvisational actor, and he'll probably say it himself. Right. So what The Rock did is he actually essentially wrote their entire inner, like, in, their first interaction in the film together. Right. Because they're just, it's just a... They're just going back and forth, making fun of each other, right? And The Rock wrote everything that Jason Statham says in that scene, and it is so. I, I it's I, amazing. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know this for sure. But when The Rock used to wrestle in WB, uh, there was a writer named Brian Gortz, who he was very close to, and eventually ended up being the guy who helped write like a lot of his disses and sayings and stuff. Uh, Go- Brian Gortz now works for Seven Bucks Productions, which is WB's. Yeah, which is sorry, which the is Rock's the production Rock's company. Production company. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if all of that is has some sort of Brian Gortz uh, influence. I wouldn't doubt it. it I wouldn't so. doubt it. It's it, it's very much the Rock. Yeah. He um, they they shoehorn the the people's eyebrow in there. Of course. You can't it, it, not. It's it, it it's so great because it's the first time in a long time that I've seen it and it has nothing to do with wrestling. <laughs> but it does. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, that, that whole Fast and Furious <laughs> that whole Fast and Furious franchise is going to start like picking up now because you've got Rock in uh, Rock who's been in all those movies and now that Fast 9, whatever the hell they're going to call it, John Cena's going to be in that movie. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to be that interested in Fast 9. I I just need I'm good with Hobbs and Shaw. Give yeah. me more Hobbs and Shaw. I'll see you in a year and a half when you're telling me the same When I'm saying yeah. the same thing yeah. about Fast 9, yeah. I don't doubt that yeah. and I'm probably going to eat my words in a year. Okay. So, because we're talking about the rock, the next term is going to be is going to be over. Do you know what over means in wrestling? No. Okay. The rock was over with the wrestling fans. 
So that means you're accepted by the fans. So generally everything you've been saying about The Rock, everything you've been saying about Undertaker, everything you've been saying, the idea that basically they believe in you, they're with you. You're over with that person, right? So um, I'll give you an And you can be over with a, with a heel too. Like you believe that this guy's gonna fucking kill you, or this guy's gonna this guy's just a terrible person. Ric Flair, for the entire run of his his career, was a bad guy, right? Woo! Woo! So he was a bad guy. He the nature old, boy. The nature Nature boy, Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! So he he basically was a bad guy, and his whole deal was basically telling people that he was he would show he would do interviews and be like, see this watch? It costs more than your house, <laughs> right? Basically. Flaunting his flaunting as well, wealth. flaunting his power, but people bought into that and they were like, "I want to see this guy lose," and that's how you know. That's when you're over with the crowd. That is a big problem that wrestling has right now is that a lot of people, because you kind of know that it's an act and it's a show and whatever. You know what? I'll break this down in like real term uh, in other shows. Walter White is over with the crowd, you know. When you watch, when I don't know if you watched a lot of Breaking Bad, but when yeah. you watch Breaking Bad, you were so invested in that, even though you knew that that was like an act and it was a, yeah. it's an actor and whatever. Game of Thrones is over with the crowd, right? Well, yeah, like it, you, you see the way people reacted when a dragon, when a CGI dragon gets killed, and they're yeah. so into it, they're so like emotional. Fucking the first ten minutes of Up is over with the crowd. Don't do that. See? Don't see? Don't bring it. See? I'm, I am crying right now. <laughs> but that's what gets you, right? I am. You're crying for fucking pixels. Crying right now. How dare you? Yeah, you're crying for dead pixels. <laughs> bring up up right yeah, now. Yeah, there you go. That place, that that movie hit home emotionally. <laughs> it hit everybody. Okay? <laughs> Bambi's mom was over you with the crowd. You need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you human monster. <laughs> So what You're getting over with our crowd, you see, villain. No, no, no. Over, no, no. Over with the crowd means they like you. They're into you. Not, that, not so much that they're, uh, that they're, they're, they believe in what you're doing. You're being good a real heel right now. But yes, I am. What you just did to me, where you were angry about it, that's called heat. <laughs> and heat is what a villainous wrestling fan, a villainous wrestler, wants to get from the crowd. So when uh, a few years ago, the Rock came, to, the Rock came to Toronto. And he, he, he would have this saying. He was a bad guy at the time. He was a heel. And he came into the crowd and he basically... You wouldn't have known it. And it was... This, it was this, No, but this was the thing. So he comes in and the... No, he wasn't expected to be here in Toronto. So the crowd fucking lost So you got there. the pop. So we got the huge pop. And then he came in and he'd always do this line when he came in. And it's it's called a cheap pop is when you refer to the hometown crowd. Yeah. Uh, and so he would come in and be like, you know, finally, The Rock has come back to Toronto. And so he came in and he's like, finally... The Rock has come back to Toronto. And then he would stop and he'd be like, mm-hmm. he's like, The Rock has come back to Toronto. And he like, kind of stopped again. He wouldn't finish it. And then he came back last time. He's like, The Rock has come back to run his mouth on your candy asses. <laughs> and then he ended it off and he's just like, Stronger than a buck, faster than, no, stronger than a bull, faster than a buck. I'll never forget it. It always sticks in my mind. He was like, Were you there that night? I was there. I was okay. fucking losing it. And he was just like, Stronger than a bull. Faster than a buck, the greatest thing to hit Toronto, cause the Maple Leafs suck, and the crowd Ooh. lost it, and he got so much heat. <laughs> it just was so nuts. 
And that's the thing. I'll never forget the line because it was like, it was not something he said in any other town or he ever said it again. He just ended the promo on that thing and it fucking was beautiful. To say it in the stadium that is the Maple Leaf Stadium was even better. So that's the kind of thing. Um, now, the last part of the... Well, okay. So the other the other thing we want to talk about was like um, booking. 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 So every wrestling company... So not booking.com. <laughs> not booking. Where you can book a hotel room. No, no. Or a flight or whatever. Travelocity. Yeah. <laughs> no, Travago. So a booking... With a guy that doesn't wear a belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People were really upset about uh, I remember so, that. So every... Every wrestling company, every wrestling company, in the back of the days, it would have been the carnival, the people who ran the, the carnival, carnival circuit, yeah. No, but it would be the carnival people, the people running the carnival. Yeah, so and like in this case, it's, wherever it would travel to. Yeah, but not just travel to. When you were to go to a carnival show and you'd see the two wrestlers fight and you'd see one guy, you know, the guy winning it and then, you know, whatever. They, that The person who in charge of all that stuff would be called the booker. Right. And he basically is the guy who plots out everything that you're seeing in the show. So Booker will basically be like, "Hey Joe, tonight you're going to win the match. You're gonna mm-hmm. go. You're gonna go. You're gonna fight Manny for 15 minutes, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go over him." Does it have to be fifth only 15 minutes? Yes, because we have an hour show to run, and we can't have you guys taking up the whole, the whole. 15 Can I hit him with minutes. a chair? We'll get to that. Yes, but you're good. You might be a good. Well, yeah, you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. but this is the thing. So he, the whole plotting of how a wrestling match happens is planned by a booker and sometimes a booking committee what you're getting is a booking right so he is telling you what your booking is going to be for the rest of the match how it happens what it what what goes on what points you need to hit how you need to do your thing to be a good guy versus manny being him right being his regular self and being the heel well what if manny comes at me with the chair first i dodge it or I get hit and he's kicking me, but then after I come back, I hit him with the chair. Yeah, yeah. And in, a, in a point of retaliation. Yes. Yeah, so that would be you. Because Manny's supposed to be the heel in this match. Yeah. So that would be you guys booking <laughs> booking your match, right? I like it. Um, the thing now, now the reason you guys are having this match is because there was an angle created for this match, and an angle is basically the storytelling. So the booking is everything that's happening within the match. So why are Manny and I... Why are you and Manny fighting? Yes. Right. What happened? That What was the reason? See, and this is the thing that wrestling has over the UFC or over boxing, is that when these two people are in the ring, there's a reason for it. And you followed along what that reason now, was. didn't that start once, and I can't... The name escapes me of who, of what group of wrestlers or whatever started this, where they actually started just to collect an actual stable... Of wrestlers, and they were the yes. and these guys would travel with the show. Yeah, so there was a few, constantly so there was a few where the show would go around from town to town, right? Yeah. And they they decided, hey, let's keep the same group of guys here, and we can sort of come up with storylines as to why they're fighting yeah. so, and give or, give more, I guess, in a sense, gravitas to the reasoning as to why these two guys are in the ring. Yeah, going head to head. So originally that group was called the Gold Goldust Trio. It was these three guys, and they're sort of the first ones to like kind of figure out like, hey, we have all you know, there are all these strong men. We could put them together, and we could have like a little traveling circus of just wrestlers going around. And if and when, we'll sort of maybe break it down a little bit later, but those all the Goldust Trio are sort of the first people in North in North America, America who sort of figured it out, and that sort of like trickled down. 
to what is now the WWF and the NWA and the ROHs and whatever around the world. So, yeah, we're almost, uh, we're going to be towards the end of this thing, but I'll, I'll sort of... No, no, we're, we, we still got some time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, like, so that's, but they're sort of the guys who came at, came up with it, and that's how you get your angles, right? Um, in Tash's story about uh, Hogan, Hogan getting beat by Earthquake, mm-hmm. she mentioned how... She hid under a table for 18 years? Yes, she hid under a table for 18 years. So, But the, the, <laughs> the angle of Hulk Hogan breaking his back right. and scaring her, that was, all, that was the angle. And then the booking of the match that she eventually saw was Hulk Hogan winning and getting the redemption that you know, Tash felt he deserved. That story is weird because Tash was you know, 23 when she watched all of that, but still. Yeah, yeah, that's upsetting. She was a grown woman. <coughs> she shouldn't have been hiding under a table. <laughs> um, okay, if I were to tell she you, she still shouldn't be hiding under a table. Hiding under Tash, table. come out from under that <laughs> table. Do you know what a promo is? Would it be when the wrestler takes the mic in his hands and starts to talk to the camera? Yes. Ooh, mean G. Ooh, mean G. <laughs> Hi, this is Mean Gene Oakland here. Yeah, he's the one doing the interviews, but usually, like, you know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Mean Gene, we, we're going to be the top of the, top of the... Cream of the crop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Mean Gene. Well, you know, brother, the Hulk, the Hulkster is going to tell you to say your prayers, have your vitamins. Eat your vitamins. Yeah. So all those things that you remember. For all the little Hulkamaniacs out there. Because what are you going to do, brother, when the Hulkster and Hulkamania go wild on you? And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> not bad. Yeah. The worst promos, I believe, or the weirdest ones were Ultimate no, Warriors. Ultimate Warriors. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> it's like yeah. they made no They had nothing to do. With anything, it seemed like. Yeah, so basically your, your your promos are designed to basically hype up your crowd, make sure that, you know, sometimes use them to get people to come into the... Come into the... Uh, the to the venue, venue or whatever, yeah. The matches, or to, like, just basically hype up the crowd before a match starts, right? Because wouldn't they, like... Now, at the carnival circuit, wouldn't they kind of do it, like, you know, around in the carnival or whatever to yeah. get people to come to the actual match yeah. or whatever, right? So there would be like little promotional interviews around like the carnival to get you to yeah. see, see the thing. And then at wrestling, they all would, you know, they do their thing like, the next time I come to this town, I'm going to beat the crap out of you or whatever. Yeah. Um, and now they just do it via the internet. Like they'll do a promo on Twitter Via the internet or, or via television yeah. or whatever like that. Yeah. So those are those are the promos. And really any, and you know, because now we have, ca- like once catchphrases and everything came into it, like if you smell what the rock is cooking, those, you know, those all catch on and those are your promos to get you into the ring. But it's funny because like that means that not only do you have to be like a good athlete, you have to be good speaking wise. You have to be a good actor. Right. And the ones that weren't good at speaking had managers. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, like, Andre. <laughs> Andre. Andre. If you ever heard Andre the Giant speak, if you've ever watched Princess... Bri- Princess Anybody Bri- want a peanut? <laughs> I don't, he, 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 he was a menacing dude, but I don't think he would basically get you to... To be honest, <laughs> the, the wrestling persona was menacing, but then anything I've ever heard or seen about Andre the Giant 
he was nothing but a big teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was a teddy bear, and a, but a person who could really hurt you if he needed to. Right? Oh, what yeah. was I? I can't remember what documentary it was. Um, but anyways, they said in it how he just did not like wrestling Ultimate Warrior because <laughs> the warrior happened to be so in- unpredictable. Generally, re- okay. So Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior was not on a lot of people's favorite list. I, yeah, um, but Andre, I think there was one match where you know. Here's Warrior doing his uh, cross ring run or whatever, and Andre <laughs> just puts his fist out, boom, <laughs> and knocks him flat on his ass. If you ever watch Ultimate Warrior matches, they seem to have a very like predictable. You know, the entrance is very exciting. The match is not so much. He kind of gasses out very fast. He had a very good look, but not necessarily a great. He wasn't a good technical wrestler. He wasn't a good, yeah, but for all and his his promos were weird as fuck. Yeah. But they were memorable. Like people always remember. You know who's a great promo, and we should look him up uh, a little bit later. But is Jake the Snake Roberts? Oh, Jake the Snake Roberts was a scary motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Considering when you what look, was the snake's name again? Luc- Damien. 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 There was Lucifer, I think, but there was. Damien. And he had Lucille for a while, Lucille. but Damien was when he had the yeah. longest. Yeah. I remember Lucille. But fuck, man. When uh, it's funny <laughs> when you listen to like when you go back and listen to uh, Jake the Snake promos, like prom- like interviews. Like, this was a show for children. I know. <laughs> he was scary. He was scary. But I loved him. Yes, everybody <laughs> did. Everybody did. Um, okay, so there's another... Uh, there's something that's very famous in wrestling, very popular in wrestling, It's and uh, we've all seen it, and chances are we don't know their names. Jobber. <laughs> so a jobber yeah. is basically if you watched any wrestling for a certain amount of time there would always be there would always be a point where a wrestler would show up and he'd fight like they would always get it, generally it would always be this guy they'd introduce like a massive like bodybuilder type wrestler yeah. just incredible physique and then he'd fight like just the puniest looking guy Here's, it's funny thing and I, I think I may have mentioned it in our last wrestling episode yeah. but anyways Growing up, when I would watch wrestling with my granddad, yeah. he and I would always have a little bet session, <laughs> and he would bet me who would win in a match. Right. And it, I, now I realize that it was always the jobber matches, and he'd always pick the face <laughs> every time. And now I'm like at most ten years old, right. at the most, right. right? And I'd be sitting there. I'm like, okay, who's gonna win this match? And he goes. Takes a long pause. <laughs> Putting some thought into it. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. He goes, that one over there. And it's like Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, I think the other guy's going to win. He goes, are you sure? <laughs> I go, yes, I'm definitely sure. And then when he lost, I'd get mad. <laughs> but I had no clue. No clue. And that's the thing, right? Like these, but they were always, they're these guys. They're now called like enhancement talent and all that stuff. But like basically what they are is they would be guys who'd come in from different local wrestling wrestling companies. And they would be guys who are, um, you know, very good wrestlers who can make big moves look amazing. Yeah. To connect with this, there's a thing called bumping and selling. The wrestling the, like the sort of true idea of wrestling works on bumping and selling. So bumping is when you basically when the wrestler hits you and you fall on the floor. So you take the hit. And you take you. You're the one who takes the hit. That's yeah. called a bump, right? Whether you fall anywhere, it's called a bump. Um, and wrestlers amongst themselves always say that you know you have a bump card, 
Mm -hmm. So you only have so many that you can hit in your life before your body goes like, I can't fucking deal with this anymore. Right. Right. And there is a correct way to bump. They teach you. That's like the first thing you learn in wrestling school, because if you don't know how to do that properly, you will hurt yourself very badly. It's basically, it's a way to basically, I think from what I have seen, I've never wrestled, but it's generally like fall on your back and make fall in such a way that like the impact is not. On your back is not on your neck or your back, but basically not it's like using the, the the mass part of your back as yeah. the major impact. And then I've seen like a tutorial or yeah. like a video of it, and the the big loud is <laughs> from your arms actually hitting. Yeah, yeah. That's where the big noise comes yeah. from. But is when your breaking, arms actually hit, yeah. like you basically elbowing into the mat. Right, but you're basically yeah. making sure you don't hurt that either. Right? Exactly. So there's that, and there's the thing called selling, and selling is huge. Selling is massive if you are a face. So selling is basically when you watch a match. Again, we'll go back to Tash and that that story of Hulk Hogan fighting Earthquake, I believe it was. Hulk Hogan's quote unquote back breaking, right? His the guy sat on him and he broke his back. Hulk Hogan then sold it and he was like, "My back is broken. I can't move." Blah blah blah. That is called selling. That is selling an injury. Mm-hmm. Good guys selling an injury is massive because that's where you get the emotional like the emotional aspect of a wrestler. The emotional connection. Emotional connection of, of, of your your fans, right? They're gonna be like, Oh my god, he's hurt. How do we get how do we help him? How do we get in the in the 80s, um, the NWA really prided themselves on selling so well that your heel wrestler would start riots. <laughs> right? Ric Flair started many a riot at different places because <laughs> Woo Because the wrestlers that he wrestled, he would sell really well for them. He would sell really for the, well for them, making them look amazing. Right. And then he would beat them in such in such a way that like the crowd would like get really upset and you know riot. Uh, so that was a big deal for them. Would you say Flair was one of those pass the torch type wrestlers? Flair was, because I think you've said something about no, Flair. Like this, so Flair. Me. Okay. So this go we'll go back a little bit to our, our he, next episode. Yeah. But, the way it worked in the for in in so the WWE was sort of like compact, right? Right. So it was like everything that happened in WWE happened under WWE. They would take their show to you, and you would see, you know, Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and, and Macho Man and all these guys are coming to a town near you, right? And they'll all come and they'll do their shows and whatever you see on TV is whatever you see on TV. The way, sorry, the way the NWA worked, which was the National Wrestling Association was they had uh, affiliate groups. So they had an NWA in St. Louis. They had an NWA in Toronto. They had an NWA in Calgary. Uh, they had an NWA all, all over, in Charlotte. Right? All over North America. Yeah. And then they had a booking committee. Right. So the booking committee would choose who the champion is. And generally it would be Ric Flair because Ric Flair was just that good. What your NWA champion would do is he would travel to each of these territories. And each of the territories, so if, if, if Flair is your champion for the NWA, he would go to NWA St. Louis. And in NWA St. Louis, Bob Orton, these are all examples I'm throwing out there, but right. Bob, Bob Orton is your, is your NWA um, St. Louis champion. So he's the champion of that promotion, right? And then they're going to be like, yo, on March 25th, Ric Flair, the world champion, is coming to fight Bob Orton. Right. So Bob or- so Ric Flair shows up, he fights Bob Orton, and they have this 60-minute match, and it's back and forth, and Bob Orton, and he makes Bob Orton look like a fucking million bucks, because he's just cr- destroying Ric Flair. When the when, Rick, when when Bob Orton gets his chance to fight Ric Flair, he looks like he looks like a million bucks. He looks great. Right. 
But and then right at the end, either Ric Flair cheats or Ric Flair like uses some sort of unhanded move or something happens. The dirtiest like, player in the game. Or or they go <laughs> or they go to a sixty minute draw because back in those days they used to put time limits on matches. So they go to a sixty minute draw, and on a draw a belt can't change hands. So. Bob Orton, so basically then Ric Flair leaves as champion. He has his belt. He goes to the next town. Bob Orton looks at his, Bob Orton's basically like, I fucking had you beat. And the next time you come in here, I'm going to win that belt from you. So right, everybody so in, it sells it even more yeah, so for when the next Saint, time Ric Flair comes yeah, to town. And everybody in St. Louis is like, our guy's freaking the best. This guy almost beat the world champion. He's going to beat him the next time, and that's going to be our guy. And yeah. that, you know, that basically is the sell for, for, for that thing. Or they're having a match, Ric Flair and, and Bob Orton having a match, and whoever Bob Orton was feuding with prior, the week before, comes in and helps Ric Flair. So they're going to be like, our guy almost beat the world champion because of you? Bob Orton, get him, and then you can feud with him for the next few months till Ric Flair comes back and things. So that was sort of, Ric Flair was great at making whoever he wrestled look good. Okay. Whereas in WWE, sometimes you'd see they would do this thing where they would build monsters. So they would like take a wrestler and he would be like, beat everybody, everybody, everybody. He'd look like unstoppable. He'd get to Hogan. Hogan would beat him. And they'd be like, look, Hogan's just that good. Yeah. You know, everybody else kind of like, kind of tried, but Hogan was the one who did it. You know, so that was sort of the difference between the two. So the heel, so the NWA sort of MO was the heel champion, was the guy you're trying to beat. The WWE's MO was we have a face champion and he's going to keep things going for us. Till yeah, he's going to save the day. He's going to save the day. Um, I think the two, the last two things I want to talk about, there's other things in here, but the last two things I want to kind of talk about are factions and stables. And that's going to come in really like, it's going to be kind of an important thing to talk about when we talk about wrestling in the United States and wrestling sort of around the world. Um, are you familiar with the NWO? The New World Order? New, 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 new world. Yes. Oh, wolf the wolf pack. So a fact, <laughs> which is a, which is a faction of yeah, the NWO. Well, <laughs> well, so generally, what it is is a faction is any group of more than two wrestlers who typically accompany one on one another to the ring, compete in multi-person matches, or even help one another out during a match. So a good example with this in current WWE would be a group called the New Day. New Day. Yeah, and New Day is kind of a neat neat group because they're three black wrestlers who aren't the typical like oh they're just athletic you know they they're, they're sort of like three multi three different they're, they're fun to watch they're fun to watch but they're they're smart athletic uh they all bring like they're not just that the gimmick is the gimmick is that they're positive and they're this and that but, but that's that's part of it too yeah. like they like and but, they're, but they really put into the fact that they're smart people, they're nerds, they're athletic. You know, they really throw out more than just because it used to be back in the day. If you, you're if you were a black wrestler, that was your gimmick. You were the black black wrestler. You were the black guy. You know, like you know, what's his name? Sexual chocolate. Uh, Mark Henry. Mark, no, Mark Henry. Henry was the strongest man alive. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> but like Coco Beware, they'd always have like you know, and that was the problem sometimes with wrestling is you'd have like these the, back in the day when it first started, you'd have token wrestlers, right? I, I and I hate to say it, but arguably, just based off Santino Morella's gimmick. Yeah, well, Santino, he, Morella, Santino he was, could be considered a token wrestler. Yeah, but Santino was there. More, it, he it is. It is. It is still. Regardless, an Italian stereotype yes. that he's playing off of. Yeah, but what I'm what what 
the way Santino is different from other wrestlers, I would say, is that Santino was there. His character was there to pop the um, Italian crowd when they were in Italy, right? But then outside of that, he was really just a comedy, comedy act. He was so funny and he was so like, you know, he was genuinely a funny guy. And so he was really used as a comedy act. Whereas back in like the 80s, they would have characters like Junkyard Dog, right? And he was there, and and his character was basically he was the black guy, and a bunch of you know he was he was there to bring the black audience in. They would have guys like uh, Pedro Morales, who was a WWE champion, and he was a champion because um, he was a champion to get the Latino audience in New York. Similarly, um, oh my God, uh, Lutez was a champion in Pittsburgh for all those years because a he was an amazing wrestler, but b he. Uh, he was a champion for seven years for WWE and he was which is amazing when you think about that now right um, but he was the champion in WWE because their main audience at the time was like the New York Pittsburgh area and he was uh, I'm saying Lutez isn't the name I'm thinking about I'm thinking about somebody else God damn it. are you thinking about Bruno San Martino I was thinking about Bruno San Martino Lutez was his his senior Bruno San Martino yeah. was, uh, was a champion for seven years for WWE that because sounds right because they wanted to get the Italian population from Pittsburgh and New York, right? That's how you would get the group. So wrestling tends to be very like would, would the older gimmicks were always like you're the Italian. Hulk Hogan is called real name is Terry Bollea, right? Yeah. Hulk Hogan is called Hulk Hogan because Vince McMahon Senior, which is Vince McMahon's dad, yeah, current Vince McMahon's dad, um, basically said, "Hey, here's some red hair dye. You're going to be my Irish wrestler." And he was like, you're going to be Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan took the red hair dye and threw it down the toilet and said, no, I'm not going to do that, but kept the name <laughs> and wrestled because he didn't want to like dye his hair um, and kept the name. And they never Now, in it. retrospect, it really didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. No, but like that name, though, like that name, Hulk Hogan, was bec- only because they needed an Irish guy to like pop the Irish crowd. I had heard, though, that the, the idea that he used... Hulk was based off of the popularity of the TV show. Just the fact, just the fact, the Hulk was used. No, but he was Hulk Hogan. I mean, he was Hulk Hogan in the AWA, which was way earlier than. Oh, so that was bullshit. Thing. Yeah. Well, he might have used it because he was a hulking guy, and he was. That's you know, part he had, of he it. Had yeah. The physique and the comic book was around. Yeah, but, that uh, may have been part. Of, like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how accurate it was. He when ended I was up reading. But. He ended up getting signed by WWE later because of the success of Thunderlips. <laughs> yeah, and how big, you know, because of the success of his character in Rocky. Yeah. You know, and that sort of like really blew Because he was sort of the first one, really the first one to have that big crossover success. Um, so the thing I was telling you about, yeah, so the thing I was telling you about was basically factions and stables. So right. Factions are sort of three guys who come together and wrestle and blah, blah, blah. Stables are anywhere between five to like seven guys. So the NWO, the New World Order, is when like a group of when a bunch of different wrestlers become like this mass. They might as well be their own organization, right? Um, yeah, you know. And so there've been many stables in wrestling, and part of that whole idea is to get people to identify with a group. I'm NWO. Well, you know, we're part of the NWO. Well, like Degeneration X did X. with the WWE. NWO yeah. was WCW and all that stuff. The right? '90s. The '90s were all about stables. We all That's stable. all it was. It was all Everybody had a stable, like yeah. evolution. So, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit later, but yeah. But this is the thing. So that's sort of like all these terms. We kind of went through all these terms. I know it's sort of like a, a lot of information sort of going at you, but 
I think when we talk about sort of wrestling in North America and wrestling in around the world and then independent wrestling, these will come in handy. And the next time you're at a wrestling event, you can sound pretty cool. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what do you? Okay, so if you do, you haven't like before we ended. Do you have any questions about wrestling? Do I? Um, yeah. Something that our audience would probably yeah, not necessarily yeah. to say. Like the the one thing I've always I've always loved about wrestling, yeah, is how engaging it is with the audience. It's yeah. it's it's almost like it's a f- truly interactive experience. Yeah. Like going to an event. Be it be it a small promoter or be it, you know, someone as massive as the WWE. WWE. Yeah. Where you have like f- for example, the heel trying to get this heat so he is directly interacting with the audience. Yes. Like right off the bat. The well, second the second the microphone is in his hands, He's there a to good d- heel. <laughs> a good heel will get Again, but even then, even a bad heel will have a manager that will do that for him. Yeah. No, but I just mean like, you know, the, you've, you'll see it every once in a while. Like, um, they always say when you become a wrestler, uh, be a good guy first. Because if you can be a good guy, then you can be a bad guy. Being a bad guy is generally kind of easy. You go, you insult the crowd. You know, you're sort of, you, they'll boo you. You're good. Being a good guy means you have to try and get them on your side. And if they don't know you, it's super hard, right? And like you said, wrestling, one of the nice things about wrestling is it's it's like a test audience in front of you all the time. Yeah, right? so you're always... You can play around with shit, you can throw things around, and you know if they don't react, you know that it doesn't work. Well, like one of the best known examples mm-hmm. is uh, Steve Austin. Yeah. How many gimmicks did that guy go through till he found Stone Cold? Right. Yeah. He well. He he had. I mean, he was. You know, for a while there, he was stunning Steve Austin, um, and that was sort of a really popular gimmick for him in WCW. Uh, and then yeah, and then he sort of came to WWE and they changed his gimmick up as a ringmaster and it was kind of garbage. And even him becoming like it's funny. He was getting a groundswell of support, but that Austin three sixteen line was, from what he says at least, was throwaway. It wasn't something that was planned. And it just sort of stuck with the crowd and became like a massive, massive thing. Because Austin 316 is going to whip your ass. Austin 316 says, I'm just going to whoop your your ass. ass. (laughs) I just whoop your ass. But yeah, Yeah. like that's that, you know, you have like this live crowd that's telling you what what they want or what they resonate with. But see, and that's that's a thing. And I feel like wrestlers don't get enough credit for their acting ability realistically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they don't. I mean, just look at. The Rock is one of the best examples of a wrestler who is also a decent actor. Yeah. yeah. He is one of the best, if not the best example of it. I mean, yeah, Rock movies are nothing but action-packed joyrides. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't understand what you're <laughs> They're just about. nothing but amazingness. Well, they're not they're not going to win an Oscar anytime soon, but here's the thing, his performance though it's just he does such a good job and he's so good at like you know changing his character to sort of fit to fit well i, I think, right I and think he's, another, he's very he's almost like a chameleon in that yeah. sense right i think another thing is and and you know i've had different wrestlers i've watched like dave batista's talked about this a little bit john cena's talked about this rocks talk about this um is that um you know wrestling generally is for a small screen 
So you're a guy in the ring and you have to project and be as big or whatever for the person all the way in row Z. Yeah. And then all the people on the, on the TV screen. Yeah. Whereas, so you find like a lot of times wrestlers when they move from like wrestling to movies tend to be, uh, they tend to be too big. Yeah. When you're on movie screens, you have to be smaller. You know, so a guy like Dave Bautista has turned out it's been really good for him. Like he he said that he said when he first started wrestling, he first started acting, he sucked, and then he really had to go to like acting classes and learn and like try and figure out all his things. And I think there is a little bit of disconnect there. But wrestling, but wrestlers seem to do well in Hollywood partly because they're so regimented, right? Wrestlers have to be in a new city at a certain time, so they have to make yeah. plans for that. They always have to be constantly working out and being thing. They always have to know about scripts and change of plans and they have to be thinking on their feet and they have to think about how to get like a rise from the crowd where so that whole idea in holly quote unquote holly you know th- that's what wrestlers always say they don't like about acting is the waiting around because wrestling in wrestling is just so like the, okay these are your spots these you have to do you go in front of the hit them go it, and then then you're done yeah <laughs> well, stay then yeah. you still stay but yeah so i think all that kind of stuff is what all you know all this stuff that i just t- talked to you about now all these terms all this behind-the-scenes stuff is very interesting to me, and it's sort of the thing that dragged me into wrestling mm-hmm. when I first started listening to it. Like, there's this wonderful kind of thing of, like, this carny tradition mixing in with this sort of, like, now sports franchise you know, uh, well, yeah. thing. And then this storytelling aspect in between, somewhere in between. So there's a real art form to it. Um, I think, like, the next month's going to be fun. I think we'll talk about some really cool stuff. I'm going to... Well, by the time you're listening to this, I will be in Orlando. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping that I might get a chance to like at least drive by the WWE Performance Center because I want to check it out. I don't think I'll be able to go in, but <laughs> I want to at least see it from outside. And if not, take a wrestling class. I'll see if I'm even here next week, but no, don't even start. Oh, my God. Take that'd a wrestling be, class. Oh, God, that'd be crazy. <laughs> Okay. okay. Get get Let's your wife to German suplex you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> this wasn't. We didn't make many jokes in this one. We didn't make many jokes. In no, this one. but I think. But <laughs> depending on how, if the people who listen, they may not even think we make jokes in most of them. I know we're not that funny. Yeah, we like to pretend we are though. Yeah. Maybe Manny will show up. Whatever the hell. Well, he's supposed to be in town next week. Oh, he's God. supposed to be here <sighs> with Maybe. you live. I might not be here, depending on how crazy my whole weekend. I'm going is. to call you because <laughs> it's it's wrestle. It's SummerSlam weekend. I might I might not be able to just come in. But can Manny, you Manny just do a show from SummerSlam? Manny's not going to SummerSlam. Can you just do the show from <laughs> SummerSlam? <laughs> we'll see. But you and Manny could be in person together. Oh my God! The match is gonna happen. The match is gonna happen. He's gonna walk in. You're just gonna slam him with a chair. I can't. That would make me the heel. Uh huh. I can't do a heel turn just yet. I don't know if it's a heel turn. (laughs) You can't be a heel turn if you're already a heel. (laughs) Sort of impossible. So wait, this means Manny's the face? No, you can have heel versus heel matches. Okay then, I'll accept that. Yeah. Oh, so then I don't have to worry about getting hit with the chair. I'll just hit him first. Because it's just a tag team. I don't want to tag with him. That's why you're jobbers. Can I I just betray him like after the first two tag team matches? Yeah. Yeah, I think you could. Yeah. Build your angle quickly. 
It's yeah. not a lot of time. You only have four weeks. Exactly. <laughs> you can bring Josh in here, and then you guys can talk. Dancer Josh can talk about the choreography. <laughs> he actually, he is a, he was more so a, a really big wrestling fan back yeah. in the day. He just, he's been too busy to, to follow it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, and it, rightfully so. I'm a massive fan, and I still, like, it's, there's just too much wrestling to watch on TV. I know, I feel like you're up all hours of the night just watching wrestling. <laughs> you're not seeing everyone. No. It's his eyes are bulging out of his head, and he's like, Must nodding. Watch wrestling. Stone Cold said so. <laughs> no time for sleep. He only smells vi- what the Rock is cooking. Only vitamins and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. You know what? We did our quiz this week, and we will be announcing a vi- uh, a winner on Instagram probably this week as well. So there's a there's a cool prize for whoever just uh, who won that. So congratulations, because we haven't actually put it up yet as we're recording this, but yeah. it'll be up. By the time you <laughs> you'll have seen it by the time this episode is up, so yeah, uh, that'll be a prize there. And we had a video from Jesus. We do. We <laughs> have it. It's just being worked on. Um, I'm struggling with editing editing it. It's been a very long time since I've edited a video. <laughs> so th- it might actually be up by the time this is realistically. By, yes. By the time this is up, it yeah. might already be up. Yeah. So. so so big shout out to Jesus on that one, dude. He he was really fun to work with. Yeah. Um, really fun to talk to. Just. Major thing with this with this specific video is like my image actually just freezes <laughs> within like two minutes of the actual interview. Nice. So you 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 hear me, yeah, and you see me in one frozen position, but Jesus is fine. Yeah. So okay. So you know, I'm sure you'll you'll figure that. Yeah. You'll it's 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 about close to 30 minutes we talked about like everything about and stuff, anime and stuff. About, about anime what he thought what he liked about our show <laughs> he he said he's he actually told me and you can see it in the actual video that he yeah. really liked this month format that we've gone with right and he's like he loves it it's so informative he likes learning about what we're talking about and he actually said the comic month was really exciting to him and then he, we kind of broke his heart with the anime episode. Well, you know what? He's a, <laughs> but here's the thing, though. He's an he's he's an anime fan, so we weren't going into the, the, the amount of detail. That, no, and you know, he and he understood that. He's yeah. just he does he lets us know his thoughts on what he likes in in anime and uh, what he he. Actually, even, I'll be excited to hear that because I haven't heard yeah, it myself. Yeah, so. he does a good. Uh, he does a mini top five for <laughs> nice, us. Nice of what he recommends. Someone right. to check out. Okay, cool. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Once that's ready to go, hopefully it'll be, it'll up. be up by the time. If, if it's you know check our social medias, it's probably yeah. up there right now. So and, yeah, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, just okay. been working on it. All right. So let's uh, let's. I, my let's, problem is when I edit, I get a little too bit of uh, like, I want to keep going and mm-hmm. then I start tinkering too much. Yeah, that's fine. I just have to just cut it down, throw it up, and then just do it. This <laughs> type of thing. Nice. All right, Joey. I think we're I think we're hitting the sixty minute draw here. Uh, we're a little bit past yeah. it, but we're okay with okay, that. Okay, so let's end this bad boy. So you go one, <laughs> one, two. Don't choose combo number five. Ding ding ding.